Season 1, Episode 7. You're listening to the Show Me Comic Cast. I'm Tim Pickerel, digital media producer for Show Me Comics. And I'm Jordan Taylor, the writer of all of our comic book scripts and also the web content for ShowMeComics.com. And my name's Sam Richardson, the graphic designer, illustrator, artist, and creator of children. Just wanted to let you guys know I will be having another kid here in April. I thought your girlfriend's name was Lindsay. It is. You said you're having one in April. Oh, okay. Well done. O'Neal. Well done. (laughs) All right. So congratulations to Sam. And uh, we have some other things to give congratulations, I guess, to ourselves about since we're smug. Pat on Um, the back time. The fact that we just completed our first ever uh, Trial by Fire comic convention. It was the St. Louis, Missouri Project Comic Con. And that happened on September 21st and 22nd, 2013. And that's going to be the focus of this episode is, you know, just kind of all of our post-con musings, I guess you would say, but focusing on lessons that we learned, both things to avoid and things to repeat as we move forward uh, to future conventions. So, uh, Sam, I'll go ahead and just let you kick it off and think about, try to start with an overall takeaway uh, of your experience at the con and then we'll get to more specifics after we all give our overall takeaway all right um overall it was quite a bit of what i expected um at least from an uh, an attendance standpoint and the demographic that that we were in front of um i didn't expect quite as many cosplayers and i didn't quite expect the attitude from them uh but i guess from a uh from a marketing standpoint, things went about as well as, as we could have hoped for. Um, I thought it was interesting whenever we first got there, uh, the attitude of a lot of the, the local creators and, and some of the information that we got from them, um, you know, which was don't be too, uh, don't expect to sell a whole lot of books. Don't expect to make too much money. Just be there to network and to get yourself shown. And uh, I like to think that we, far exceeded what the expectation of what a lot of the other local groups were i think we kind of exceeded my expectation tim what was uh you attended one day of the con right? i attended one day I, I attended the first saturday first man in to get the badges and everything that everything like that figure out where we were sitting down all that jazz so what was your overall takeaway from the experience i was uh i was actually very surprised um not only how well we did but how much this particular con went uh like how much it's grown since then, because I was there last year with Sam, and it's definitely gotten bigger since then. There was a lot more cosplayers, a lot, a uh, lot better cosplay. Um, as far as attitude-wise, I mean, we networked with a lot of fairly interesting people. Um, the guy we sat next to was. Uh, He was a I'm very I'm informative. He was very informative. Yeah, right. I, I thought that we, we took away a lot of information. Um, you know, we came in, I thought we were uh, pretty well prepared by the, the C4 uh, Comics Club. They gave us, uh, you know, some really good right. tips on what to expect and what to prepare for. And then Absolutely. while we were there, some of the people that we met, like Tim mentioned, the, the booth that was next to us, um, just on what to do next time or maybe to have the heads up for the convention that week. Uh, yeah, his name was Ryan Wheaton? Ryan Wheaton, by the way, right? And, and uh, he just happened to be our next door neighbor, and uh, was super cool. He'd been doing this for a couple of years, and gave us a lot of. Uh, he was kind of like a 
you know, the mentor from a movie, you know, like the, uh, that you just meet for a couple scenes, you know, he gives you the down and dirty <laughs> tips and then, uh, you have to go on and, you know, make use of the tips after that. He's our Qui-Gon Jinn. Yeah, I, you could say that, <laughs> but I thought we weren't going to talk about those movies. Oh. Yeah, I think the other thing I'd like to point out, too, is just the amount of support that we received from from all of the local creators. Uh, even though we didn't get a chance to get out and meet every single one of them, um, I know that we sold a large number of books to people that were there that were also creators and vendors, and I was very happy about that. You know, I think in a lot of those situations in other markets, people can tend to go, you know, Oh well, I got my own thing. Why am I going to want to support somebody else? But mm-hmm. you know, we sold quite a few books to the uh, the local artists, you know, and they wanted sketches inside of them, and I was a little surprised about that. Uh, but overall, I think they helped us out tremendously, and I was happy to see the, sh- the support that they showed for us. Absolutely, it, it reminded me kind of like the uh, you know I'm a big beer drinker, but the the craft beer movement. It's like if you go up to the big level, like Budweiser and Coors and all those guys, they're always fighting over market share, and they are very cutthroat, you know, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But when you get down to the small guys, they're like, hey. I, I brew beer, you brew beer also. Let's go put on a beer festival together and let's both sell our beer at the same time. You know what I mean? It's like the more we help each other, the more, you know, we connect with our audience, so to speak. And I got that same vibe from uh, the local comics communities. They're like, hey, we're not in competition at all. It's like we're all just yeah. having fun. Come on, let's have fun together. And the more fun we have, the more fun all the fans will have. When I was when we went into this, I was afraid it was going to be a lot more like our uh, when we did our pro wrestling show, like going against other promotions and things like that. But uh, like where we'd go in and it's like these young upstarts with their comic book selling all these comic books, and we're sitting here selling a few uh, prints if we're lucky. Right. It's like who do they think they are? Blah blah blah. But it wasn't like that at all. Right. No, and I guess that segues into what my overall takeaway was from the con and really two takeaways. The first one was that time flew by. Like yeah, it, yes. it just I, I thought it was gonna be some periods were gonna be kind of drudgery, you know, sitting there and like oh man, it's boring, I hope it picks up soon. But no, I, I was actively engaged the whole time. But the the main takeaway was just the overwhelming positivity of the entire experience, whether that was just uh the cool factor of from the fans, you know. Uh, but just also all the other creators, whether they were well-established people or independent creators, it was it was really cool. Everybody was really helpful. Everybody was super friendly and supportive, and uh, it was overwhelmingly positive. So that was my takeaway. Right. And it's as far as the networking aspect, not to say we weren't there to establish partnerships and a network with people. But, I mean, we were also there on business, and uh, I couldn't have been happier with how things went. I know one of the concerns that you had whenever you first booked the table, I remember Jordan called me uh, when we first reserved the space, and he's like, you know, this, he goes, man, I'm kind of worried. You know, the, the table that we got, it's it's not inside the main room where all the artists are going to be at. I was like, where is it? And he goes, it's, it's right at the front entrance. You know, he was concerned that maybe, you know, whenever all the 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 congestion of the attendees were coming in it that they would kind of pass us by or get lost and i said no man from a marketing perspective that's perfect right <laughs> I like, yeah, i'm yeah. really looking forward to this and i think we really proved why at the convention that day well i'll tell you what coming out the other end of that experience you were absolutely right and i wish like going forward at every con i could be like hey can i be right by the entrance right. way and right. uh the reason is um, you know, if you're all the way in the, you know, the midst of Artist Alley or whatever in the big ring of tables, uh, someone might walk past you once um, 
and that's all you're guaranteed necessarily. If you see them once, that might be the only time you saw them. For us being right by the entrance, we were guaranteed to see everyone at that convention twice, right. no matter what, because we saw them going in, and they had to leave. Um, because the, well, I shouldn't say that applies to every convention, but the way this convention was set up, uh, there was only one you know entryway, and it doubled as the exit. Also, I'm sure there are probably other conventions with you know multiple entrances and exits, but um, this particular one. There was only one, and that probably makes it easier from a you know ticket sales standpoint. So I would probably say that that replicates at a lot of different conventions. Right, and I think going in, you know, whenever you're in the the main area, the artist alley, where like most of the congestion is at, is uh, from a consumer standpoint, you're overstimulated. Everywhere that you look, there's something trying to get your attention. There's a there's a famous artist. There's a sign. There's a drawing. There's a comic book for sale. There's a toy for sale. Your senses are going off everywhere, and it's harder to pinpoint just one thing to pay attention to. Where the advantage we had being at the front is as soon as they walked in, nothing else was there to grab their attention except for us. As they were leaving, nothing else was there to take their attention except for us, and that worked to our advantage big time. Yeah, it was definitely good. The other thing that worked to our advantage is we have – a huge extrovert in our team in Sam, where I think that's probably not the case with a lot of other creators. Well, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned that because sometimes that was a huge positive. Yeah, we learned and sometimes it wasn't. Right. right. So, yeah. The, the second day, I, I wish you could have been there to see that. We actually, it, it probably took about an hour to an hour and a half on the first day to figure out, like, what our niche was to find the hook. But... The other thing was just the approach to it. You know, I, I come from a sales background. Jordan used to work in sales before he went into the Navy. So, I mean, you know, we've got the business side of that covered. But sometimes, you know, you got to know your market. You could be the best seller in the world. But if you scare the people that are walking by. <laughs> well, and to say that, since this is an audio format, you guys can't see Sam. But he's like, Sam, how tall are you? How much do you weigh? Uh, I'm about six foot tall so i mean i'm not like a giant but i weigh 225 i'm a professional wrestler and uh frame wise i'm probably built more like uh mike tyson so yeah, make it compared to a comic book character to a comic book For character <laughs> um i guess if you stretched out wolverine by a couple inches <laughs> <laughs> all right so just without all the hair <laughs> so he says but, uh, yeah, that's well, he's a big dude. So sometimes that could be a little bit intimidating, the fact that he was, you know, not just a big dude, but the fact that he was very boisterous and uh, an extrovert uh, coupled with his size. Sometimes you could see, like, I noticed, hey, you're, you know, you're, you're high energy and that's great, but you're coming on a little strong to some of these right. people. It reminded me of uh, the, the Big Lebowski where, you know, the dude is talking to Walter and saying, you got to understand some of these guys are fragile, you know, they're emotionally right. fragile and it's not to, I'm not trying to, you know, call anybody a name or something, but some people, that's just not their bag. They don't want to, you know, be approached like that. They'd rather come up and take a look at things yeah. first. They, they, they don't necessarily want to be sold on something they want to. No, I don't think it's that. It was just not to put our audience or our comic book world into a bottle, but no, kind of go back to, to say, like, how everybody was so nice and they were friendly and wanting to network with us. Uh, you know, the comic book fans and the comic book market are a lot less aggressive. They're a bit softer, and that's the approach that they look for. And considering who we, we started to target our audience towards, you know, my approach probably came across as too aggressive. You know, here's this bigger guy that's kind of in your face and, hey, come here, check this out. And I think sometimes that did, that kind of scared him. So we figured out the best approach was, 
you know, have Jordan at the front of the table and have him be the one to stop, get their small talk, find out how they're doing, bring them over while I'm sitting and they can look down at me, you know, sketching right. whatever, and then well, we can engage them. I'll say the other thing about that is uh, we had different styles, and for different customers, different styles worked. And Definitely. I started to figure out that my style was, you know, as somebody would walk by, um, you know, this is going to sound really gross, but I, I used to uh, be a door-to-door salesman, and... Um, I was also a cheap person, and I, I liked to smoke, but I didn't always have money for cigarettes. So when I was a door-to-door salesman, sometimes if I blew the sale, I would try to get a cigarette from the person that I blew the sale with. <laughs> and you're selling them. Yeah, you're and, sell and them I'm, to get I'm their... basically selling their, them on the idea of charity to give me cancer. But uh, I'm trying to make a point here. The point is... Listen, I'm going to die soon. Will you please buy this? No, I would look for uh, visual cues that let me know. Like, I would sit and walk up to a house, and I'm like, if there's cigarette butts near the sidewalk, I know that there's a smoker in this house. Or if they open the door and I can see that the space in between their two fingers where you'd hold a cigarette is a little bit yellowed. Or did they smell like smoke? Stuff like that. You know, and I just, that's just one instance of uh, how I got to just, you know, kind of look at the little factors of people and judge what was going on. Um, But I kind of applied that at the comic convention to build rapport. Like somebody would walk by and it's like, oh, hey, they have... You know, uh, a Wonder Woman comic in their arm and a She-Hulk comic in their arm. Maybe they really like heroines in their comic. Right. So I'm going to say, you know, stop them. Hey, notice that, uh, you know, you're carrying around those. Do you, do you really like, you know, your female characters being the lead in your comics? And then that, even if they don't, and I completely misjudged it, I still observed enough to strike up a conversation. Sure. Um, a lot of times when I was on that sales job, I would be like, uh by the way, do you smoke? You know, and they'd be like, no, my husband does. But then I already started talking to them. And the next thing I knew, I walked away with a sale right. just because I started talking to them. But uh, that worked really well, except when somebody would walk by and I couldn't get a bead on them. You know, like I couldn't determine an opener. I couldn't think of anything. And Sam was really good about just going up to people cold mm. with his pitch. And whereas I wasn't really good at that. If right. I didn't have that in or a subject to talk about... Um, I couldn't really, you know, invite them over to our table. I wasn't right. as good at that. Yeah, the, the second day was much easier once I figured out, okay, here's the market that's just really responding to what we're doing and the best way to approach them, which is funny because, I mean, we found that, like, our best market is, you know, these, like, the 15 to 25-year-old females, a lot of cosplayers. And those were the ones that I actually got better reception from than the guys. The guys kind of took it as, man, this guy seems aggressive. I really don't want to go head-to-head with him. And yeah, they kind of standoffish with the girls. It was easier because I found the way to approach them and do it in a way that said, here, look, this is what we got. Come check it out, but without frightening them. Right. The other thing I noticed, too, that was really cool was, like, the trend pattern, which was, you were so much better at catching the people that were leaving. I was better at getting the ones that were walking in. And one of the reasons why was, like you said, the small talk you would use to get them over. I, I would notice people walking out and they would have like maybe a couple books in their hands or right. maybe hardly any. And Jordan would say like, oh, so do you, you get any good deals? Do you find any books you were looking for? Yeah. Some of them, whoa, I got this Batman detective number, blah, 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 blah. And next thing you know, they're buying a comic book. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas my was, pretty cool. I would catch them coming in. But if I, my problem was like when the people that were leaving, you know, my brain starts going, okay, look and see what they bought. What did they get? You know, because a lot of these cons, people will just overprice the hell out of what they're selling. And so when the people walk through there, they don't have a lot of money to spend. And so when they're leaving, they might have a couple books or in a lot of cases, I would notice 
this goes back to what we talked about with these being more pop culture cons and not just comic books. But I would notice a lot of people didn't buy books, but they would have posters. They would have prints. I would always want to be like, hey, you know, I notice you don't have any comic books. Come over here and spend your last $10. And when they All would right. reject that, my brain would go, they're leaving. So if I don't get them now, and then if they still wouldn't respond, my brain would just be like, oh, that's it. You know, come. Right. I would get too aggressive. And that's why my exit, you know, market was not very well. And you were killing on that one. But uh, the other thing, too, you know, we, we talked before we went in about how we should dress that day. You know, and we talked about, oh, you know, well, maybe this kind of. Uh, like business informal, you know, like, you know, that first day I wore like a, like a polo shirt. And, uh, the second day I came in with the Avengers t-shirt on. Cause again, I was like, man, if I'm already frightening them just with like, you know, they, I look intimidated. Yeah. I guess you could think of that as, you know, you already had that alien factor about you. Right. Like this guy's right. not like me, you know, um, because he's, you know, very loud and boisterous and things like that. So then it's also, Hey, he's also not, you know, He's kind of dressed a little alien, too. So you kind of played more into the casual role, whereas I didn't feel like I had to do that. Right. But, um, so that that's a lot of sales and marketing type, you know, things that we learned there. Uh, what were some other lessons learned, whether negative or positive, that you had as a big takeaway from the con? Um, uh, the second day, uh, you know, the, the guy in the booth, Ryan... Right in the booth yeah. next to us, you know, he told us, he said, well, be ready to do, you know, all your sales this day. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, well, Sunday is always the day that people yeah. decide he what says, they're going to purchase. Hey, you guys ready? Sunday shopping day. <laughs> and I was like, what are you talking about? You know, like in my mind immediately thought, you know, Saturday people are going to come in and spend all their money and then that's it, you know, because right. they're going to buy everything the first day and then the second day any stragglers are just going to be hanging out. Right. Um, and you know, come to find out from a guy who, you know, compared to us, you can call a veteran. That's not true. And the way he explained it, he's like, hey, the first day was like window browsing day. You know, people were looking around, just kind of taking everything in. And the people that were there for two days, they're like, all right, now they're ready. Now they've done their research and they're going to come in shopping. And I'm like, right. man, that sounds far-fetched. But in practice, coming out, and we only have this one kind to judge it on, but... It was right. He was right on the money. Yes. We did uh, a lot more business that second day than the first day. Now, if there's a piece of advice I could throw out there to you know the rest of you, you know, up and coming creators or local creators that I thought they were wrong about is don't lowball yourself. You know, the other piece of advice we got on sales day was, you know, mark down your prices, mark down everything you have. You know, that, that's what everybody does. They mark down the price and we just get it all out on Sunday. And it's like we didn't. We kept no. the same deal, the same price. And keep in mind, our book was 64 pages. It was twice the size and sometimes three times the price of what most people were selling for. And we damn near sold out of books that day. We didn't mark anything down on Sunday and still did awesome sales-wise. And I think a lot of times because artists, they don't come from a business background, they tend to think, well, maybe I'm charging too much. I actually just read an article about this yesterday of, of artists that they don't charge enough for what that what their work is. They're just not confident in it. But I believe a lot of the people at that show, if they would have kept their prices where they were at, they still would have done the same amount of sales and walked away with more revenue. Right. I think a lot of that might have to do with like artists probably have more like demons and lower self esteem, so they don't think their work is. Yeah, definitely. That's that's exactly it. That's what this article I read said. They they don't believe that they're worth what they're charging, but it's like they should. They should go in there and be confident. Don't mark your price down. If people are just waiting to make the sale because they want to check everything out, they're going to buy your product that next day if they wanted to, whether you mark it down or keep it where it's at. 
Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things the guy, you know, Ryan at the booth next to us was saying about his stuff is, like, he was selling mostly just single prints, right. you know? Um, but And his wasn't really comic book art. It was more of a, I don't even know how to describe the style, but it wasn't comic book-like. And, you know, I would see a couple people go over and drop the money on buying a couple prints from him, and they would spend, like, 20 or $40, you know, on these little prints. Right. And uh, he, he explained to me, he's like, yeah, they just bought, you know, two pieces of wall art. They'll go home, they'll throw that in in a couple frames and they'll put it up, you know, for them, that was a good investment. That was actually one of the things that he, uh, said to me. And I think you, it was either Sam was there. Jordan was there at the time. He basically said that we're missing out by not having right. prints of our, of our stuff. Yeah. Right. And uh, I mean, we could probably oversaturate our table if we had too much stuff, yeah. but I think there is something to be said about having a little bit more of a mix. Right. The downside was the second day I tried to do this, but we didn't have anything else to drop sell or upsell from. You know, like there was nothing that second day I made like a little sign that said, Hey, personalized sketch for $7. And that was really just to add value to the book we were already selling, but we didn't have anything else to combo with. We didn't have anything else to say, okay, well, if the book's too expensive, then get this. Or since you got the book, get this for the extra amount. And I think we missed out a little on that, but, uh, still overall, I thought we did really well considering the price of our book and how many that we sold. All right. So at the risk of having this whole episode be about sales and marketing, uh, which I don't want to do. Instead, I'm, let's shift gears. Uh, and what I want to shift gears towards is, you know, another point of being at cons, What, although we were kept busy by mostly by selling our book, is networking. Um, so what was your experience from networking, both positive and negative, from this con? Uh, the online bloggers, they were, they were awesome. Um, and it wasn't like we were trying to buddy with them to get good reviews or anything, but... Right. Uh, we have multiple people come to our table, um, and after you know interacting with them, engaging them, getting them to see our product, you know they came back later on and said, "Hey, can can we take a picture of you guys? We do this online blog. We'd like to review your book. You know, definitely." And uh, you know, quite a few of them came over, and so far we've read their reviews online. And I just hope if you guys are listening, don't be like doing us favors with the reviews. No. I'm happy they've been positive, but. We, we want to hear the, the honest truth. So That's actually uh, one thing I kept telling people when I'm saying, hey, we really want to know what you thought about this book. And I used to say this when I did um, my training job is like uh, at the end of the course, when I was done teaching, I would hand out student comment sheets. And when I uh, would give that to them, I would go into a big speech about the comment sheets because I believed in them. Um, and I didn't want somebody to get the comment sheet and we use like a one through five system and then you could also write notes and it's like, look guys, I don't want you to just do five, 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 throw the thing on the desk and leave, you know, um, because if you have something negative to say, I might not even be, know that I'm doing it wrong. Right. So I'm going to keep doing it, thinking that I'm doing it right until you tell me. And then that allows myself to change. Or on the flip side, um, if you just say, Hey, I loved your book. It was great. You know, or Hey, loved your class in this case. It was great be more specific because I might've done something without knowing it. And it's great that it was positive, but I can't recreate it if I don't know that I did it. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? So if it was like, Hey, your book was great is different than, um, Hey, I really felt an emotional connection during scene X. That's totally different. Cause then I go, go back and analyze scene X and say, um, Hey, I can repeat this now because I, I connected. So I would, do a big spiel whenever I sold the book to be like, Hey, we'd really like to know what you thought. And I would highlight both po positive and, uh, you know, critical comments, please, uh, give them to us. So 
that was one thing when it came to the networking with those uh, the blogger type people, you know, or the press or just the regular fans, is to, to let them know how approachable you are from a networking standpoint. Uh, to be like, I- I'm open to your criticism. Definitely. With that said, I'd like to point out that we don't believe that that's what any of the bloggers did. Quick shout out to at uh, local nerdum STL on Twitter and Benjamin Hall. But just wanting to state now, just because we engage or we try to be nice, we don't want you know nice reviews back. We want the honest truth with it. Absolutely. But yeah, to, to go back to what you said about you know engaging and being interactive, I think that was paramount to what we did at the comic book convention is the fact that we actually were out in front of people and talking and grabbing and bringing them in and saying, hey, this is what our book's about. This is what we're doing. I think if I had any advice to throw out to a lot of the local creators whenever they go to these conventions and set up booths is don't sit there with your head down. You know, we, we addressed this on previous podcasts where we said, you know, the conventions we've been to, we see that a lot. And this definitely paid off for us. That was not keeping the head down is getting to know the fans, getting to know what they like, what they respond to, and just being there to answer questions or, or to show them what you got. Well, that's another thing too. I mean, I, and that's what made time fly by so fast and also made it so fun was just getting up and talking to people. Cause there was a lot of conversations that I had with people that didn't end up buying our comic, right. but I still learned something from the conversation. And maybe, hopefully, I made a connection so that the next time we go to the convention, I won't have to grab them by their shirt sleeve and Definitely. drag them over to the table because they're going to be like, oh, hey, that's the guy that I talked to last time for a couple minutes and had a good, engaging conversation with uh, and built some rapport. I mean, that's a. I felt like if I could put any kind of capital letter word on what to do at the cons is that word rapport with a capital R, like build rapport with your fans, with your audience, with your peers. Um, and, and that's what networking is all about. You know, be genuine. Don't be fake. You know, when you're trying to network with people, uh, show an expressed interest in what they do, not just what you want from them. Does that make sense to you guys? Totally. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and if you do, you'd be surprised the audience that you can expose our awesome, crazy, geek-ass world to. Jordan and I went to Hooters Restaurant the night before the convention. We stopped by there because we <coughs> went to get prepared. <laughs> Go ahead. And while we were there, we got talking to some of the waitresses. And I'm I'm somebody that if I can get a chance to take pictures and put it on Twitter or Facebook or whatever just to expose other people to what we're doing, you'd be surprised, though. I mean, to some comic book fans or some of those that go, you know, oh, I don't think Harley Quinn should be in a bathtub on a DC comic cover book, you go, well, isn't that kind of sexist to go to Hooters and post pictures? No, it's just the fact though, that there might be people on Facebook that, that I'm friends with that wouldn't necessarily respond to comic book stuff that I put up, but they see that picture and go, oh, yeah, that's really cool, and then find out it had to do with this comic book world. And next thing you know, I've got a set of eyes on our book that normally wouldn't have paid attention. But guess what? On Sunday, the day of the convention, a couple of those waitresses showed up to the comic book convention. They paid money to get in. Yeah, they, they wouldn't have gone to the convention otherwise. Bought a couple uh, copies of the book, so I mean, we you know you get a chance to do and stuff like that to put eyes on our world that probably wouldn't normally pay attention to it. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that was really neat. And the other thing uh, that was really neat was getting to see um, this might not be the technical defini- definition of uh, networking, but we got to see some of the fan reactions in real time because they would like go out in the lobby and read our book and then come back in, you know, and then talk to us afterwards. And that was really, really cool uh, about the convention experience. 
And uh, like I said, that might not be what you typically categorize as networking, um, but it was still that live face-to-face feedback loop that you can get at, at one of these things. I mean, if you see somebody that bought your book on Saturday and they come back on Sunday in the con, don't just be like, I'm done talking to that person because right. I already sold the book to them. Right. Hey, how'd you like the book? They might say, I haven't gotten a chance to read it yet. Okay, well, I can't wait to until you do, you know. I enjoy, right. enjoy the rest of the con. Um, but sometimes it was like, you know, I remember um, one person going, hey, I just, you know, sat down out in the lobby and I read it and uh, I, I really want to know what happens next. Right. And I was like, oh, you know what that means? That means I stuck the landing at the end of the book. You yes. know? <laughs> and, uh, so that was pretty cool to know. But, yeah, be genuine. And uh, we talked a lot about sales and marketing at the beginning of this, but it's not just trying to get the money out of the people's pockets. I mean, you're... Sales come from relationships, ultimately. Oh, yeah. And it's that's customer what networking service. I mean, any, yeah. any company that's successful needs to have great customer service, and that's how I look at it. Is if someone's willing to take their hard-earned money, and a lot of the people at that convention were artists who they don't make a lot of money right now. You know, they're struggling to get by and sell their art. So, I mean, the fact that they laid down, you know, $9, $10 to buy our book, that's awesome, and you want to treat your customers great. And uh, if we just tried to get their money and they didn't like the experience they're definitely not going to buy that second book all right um so how i want to wrap this up is kind of do a quick uh you know lightning round around the table and we'll start with tim and i want you to say one thing that uh you noticed that was done right at this con and needs to be repeated next time and then the second thing i want you to say is one thing that you think could be improved upon uh for our next outing at a comic book convention and we'll go around the table like that. Oh, for what we did right and what we didn't do right, or at the convention in general? Uh, what we did right. Well, if you can't think of an example for us and you want to say something that you saw somebody else do, but I would prefer if it was something focused on us. Um, the one thing we did do right was setting up the monitor and Sam's laptop so he could actually draw. And that was a that was a big like eye catcher when people yeah. were, since we were like right up front as people were coming in they can see Sam drawing a picture on his laptop showing up on the screen it actually got some people over there. Um, one of the things that we should do next time is be a little more aware of where we're located and how much space we have because we spent like weeks back and forth thinking about how we were going to set our table up. Right. Only to get there and figure out we didn't have room to do almost any of the stuff that we wanted to do. And I think the takeaway from that is, um, like, this happened to work out for us, but have a plan B. So uh, we had two kind of things that we were going to do. One was, like, a big photographer's backdrop that we could have set up behind our table. And the other thing we had was, like, an easel with a poster in a frame on it. It just so happened that we didn't have room for the photographer's backdrop. But we had the easel with the poster, so we had something behind us. Um, but had we planned to hang a poster from the photographer's backdrop, we would have had nothing behind us. Right. So uh, it happened to work out for us, but the, the lesson learned is have a plan A and a plan B when it comes to space on your booth. You know, I've heard uh, stories before where uh, like a vendor will show up or something, and this specific convention would have rules of, hey, you can't have a side display. Because that, you know, blocks out the view of the table next to you or something crazy like that. All conventions have different rules, so just kind of plan for that. But, yeah, excellent points. Sam, one thing that we did right and one thing we need to improve on. 
Uh, real quick, I do want to say before we end this, I have one story that I want to tell. Okay, well, but let's we do the right lightning round wrong. first. Uh, yeah. yeah, I already kind of wanted what we did right was just being interactive, getting out there, engaging the customers, engaging the other artists, engaging the other creators. Um, what we could do next time, even though I wasn't quite happy with some of the cosplayers' attitude, cosplay is huge. So the next convention we do, I would like to have someone out front dressed as a Kiko. You know, to show, hey, yeah, we're cool with the cosplay. We do that, too. And it's another way to kind of grab their attention, especially when we don't have that backdrop or the, the room to have, you know, some elaborate setup. Having that character there cosplaying can help get that attention. So that's something I'd like to do next time. Okay. So um, the other thing, or first of all, I'll start with what I think we did well. I think that just the, the little things when it came to prep, uh, I kind of agonized a little bit over some little details, and these might seem like not a big deal, um, but I could see how they could have a snowball effect into something bad, is bring change. You know, a lot of people yeah. do transactions in cash. Uh, you know, I know Square Reader's big now and a PayPal Reader's big now, um, but we noticed that there were some reception problems, and mm -hmm. sometimes we had problems getting our card scanners uh, to work. So uh, bring not only change, but, you know, those multiple methods of payment, when I first got there, I went up to some guys that were some pretty established creators. You know, they had a book out at Image, and they were selling their uh, book for 12 bucks. And I went over there, and, you know, I wanted to support them. I like what they do, and I wanted to get the trade. So I went over there, and I said, how much? And uh, I already knew I was going to spend however much it cost. Mm -hmm. And they said, 12 bucks. And I said, okay. And I pulled out a 20, uh, you know, and they were like, they opened up their little box, you know, and, oh, Oh, we don't have uh, change, you know. Uh, you can have it for ten. Hey, good for me. But then I'm thinking, <laughs> right. about, I'm right. thinking about them, and it's like that stinks for them. They just, you know, lost two bucks off right. their sale. And how many more times is this going to happen throughout the day? Um, especially knowing that they set their price point at, you know, not a round number, uh, but didn't have change. So. Thankfully, that's something that we did right. You know, I went to the bank a couple of days before and got a bunch of ones, a bunch of fives, and stuff like that. We did and run out of tens. Yes. But we had fives. True. So uh, it worked out in the end. We had millions of pennies. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so through that discussion, I just forgot what we could do better next time. Oh, yeah. Okay. Again, this is going to seem a little pedestrian. Uh, but it makes a difference, and especially I think it'll make a difference at a bigger con. Uh, the second day, so we were standing there, and I had heard some advice to, like, bring, like, a power bar and drinks with you, you know, when you go to the, the convention. Because sometimes it can be hard to get away from the table. And plus, you want to spend most of your time interacting with your fans and other creators and doing your networking and your sales and stuff. So you don't want to take a lot of time away from your table. But there was points where... <laughs> I know, like, Sam or I would leave on that second day, and we're the only ones there. And it's like, if you had to go to the bathroom, you couldn't because you couldn't leave yes. the table. Um, but I remember I brought, like, a little protein bar and some drinks. And so around noontime hit, and I look over at Sam, and he's like, his stomach's growling, you know, and, like, looks like it's about yes. to attack people. And I go over to my backpack, and I take the little thing out, and I'm like, all right, get nourishment. And I look over at Sam, and his eyes are glowing red, you know, and he's... Uh, <laughs> He didn't necessarily plan for that contingency. Right. So, you know, just thinking about those little things, meals, hydration, bathroom breaks. Right. I mean, uh, so we could have done a little bit better than that. You know, I could have uh, brought lunch for both of us, you know, not been such a selfish jerk. 
Um, so again, those things seem pedestrian, uh, but they could really make you know the difference throughout your day at a con. And if you're sitting there sapped of energy at 2 p.m., um, you're probably not going to have as enjoyable time, and your fans aren't going to enjoy you as much if you're irritable. All right. All right, Sam, your story to close This better be good. Last story I want to end with, and I'm sure Jordan probably would have told this story if I if I reminded him. I'll, I'll tell it better after he's done. I'm the writer. Yeah, I'll include <laughs> you in on this. Um, I, we, we've hit on this a little bit with our listeners before, but we've never really elaborated on it. But something you need to understand with our book, Hafu, is this is our second attempt at telling this story. We tried it once when we were very young adults, like 10 years ago. We made in uh, like an 80-page version of this book. It was black and white, our first attempt at ever trying anything comic book related. And our whole plan at that time was let's print out 20 of these books and take them to Wizard World Chicago and give them away for free. And all these people are going to read it because they got it for free. And they're going to send us all this feedback. Oh, we were also thinking about like let's give it to like famous comic book people oh, yeah. and also people who own comic book yeah. stores and stuff like that. I so remember they, I showed it to Eric Larson while the Savage Dragon was still big. And he's like, you know, oh, this is really violent. You do really well faces, but the rest is shit. But the, the point is, like, we tried this book a long time ago when we were very young, and, and Jordan and I were very ambitious at that time that we thought we are going to take this all around and sell <laughs> it. Foolish. And anyway, to, to kind of focus this story, I remember we went to a comic book shop up off uh, somewhere up in St. Louis, and we took it in, and the owner was just this typical fanboy. No, I would the, say he's atypical. He was like... Sociopath level. <laughs> is this the guy that I? Is this? Do I know this guy? Oh, this the, you've heard this. Story. I've heard the story. So we go in and and we, we we went around to quite a few local comic book shops and we showed them what we had, expecting them to just say yes, let's carry this book. And we oh, got yeah. a lot of objections, but this one owner in particular, we took the book in and keep in mind this was like what two thousand two, two thousand three, and uh, we took the book in and the owner flips through it. And uh, pretty much his his only feedback was, she don't sell. She don't sell. That's right. Referring to the old comic book with the uh, female ninja called She, spelled S H I. And uh, I really didn't think you know that he read it. I thought no, he just didn't look at it. He didn't really read it. We're nothing like She. But that was his advice. Was he's not going to carry the book because it's just like the comic book She and She don't sell. So for the next years, especially when we weren't we didn't have that hindsight of like we were dumb kids uh we were like you know there was a a joke slash a little bit of actual hurt we would tell each other all the time like oh, she don't sell like that guy was the problem right. like we'd make fun of him by saying she don't sell and it's like no really we were inexperienced and we were the problem right. you know we, we were just arrogant but as time went on and we really kind of got out of the comic book world and art and did some of our other stuff we would still reference that like oh yeah it was whether a big it was the wrestling joke. shows or whatever it's like oh she don't sell anytime anybody was going to reject us it's like of course she don't sell so <laughs> fast forward to Sunday the second day of the convention you know we're, we're selling comics every five to ten minutes we were selling one of our books but uh, one man came over. He uh, he, he was, was a hard sell at first. Yes, too. he was a very hard sell. He was looking at the booth. He was an older gentleman, and uh, you know he had a bag full of a couple of books, and he was telling us it he was, was a brown the, paper bag too, yes. so you couldn't see through it, and you, you couldn't tell what was there. And he like kept trying to disengage, and we we're like, you know, they started explaining the book, you know, and and then when we finally got, you know, the here's where I steal your story. That was going to so say when, when we finally got him to like listen to a little bit of our pitch and what our comic book was about, he was like, "Oh, have you guys ever heard of this?" And he pulls out of his brown paper bag 
a copy of She <laughs> and that he had specifically come there to get. And he's like, I'm a, you know, I, I like She. Have you guys ever heard of this? And I'm like, oh, yeah. In fact, that's funny. You know, we didn't tell him the whole story or anything. But I said, you know, if you like She, you will probably. And then I cut myself off and I was like, not probably. You're definitely going to like this comic. So you might as well get it, you know. And um, surprisingly, uh like we said, we thought that he was not going to buy the book. I thought that was going to be his way to reject us. And instead, he says, basically implying, you never know when you're going to meet somebody that's going to be famous or have a book that's going to take off, and he wants to make sure he buys it now. So he right. purchased a copy of the book, had me draw a picture inside of it, and the point of that story is she did sell. <laughs> and, and the funny thing was, like the next night on Facebook, he left us a comment yes. that said, Hey guys, it's me. And he's, you know, gave his name and said, remember the she guy? And he said, uh, really liked it. Liked the twist ending. Didn't see it coming. Don't want to say too much because I don't want to give it away. But he, he had nothing but good things to say. And it's like poetic justice yes. if I've ever uh, heard about it. And it, But not just justice as in we were wronged when we were kids. But the the point to you, especially the listener of this show, should want to make comics, you know, for the most part. Or at least is interested in the process. It's perseverance and learning from your lessons and hopefully you've been able to take away some things from our lessons of our first convention and you can learn not make the same mistakes we did repeat some of the same things that we got right and be more successful than we were out of the gate and uh, hopefully someday you'll have your own poetic justice and encouragement so we would like to encourage you in all of your creative endeavors i'm tim on behalf of jordan and sam thank you for listening and if you want to know more about our book, you can visit www.showmecomics.com, and that's comics with a C-S because we know how to spell. Yes, and follow us on Twitter, at Show Me Comics. And when you're on Facebook, make sure you like our page. It's Hafu Graphic Novel. We're just now hitting 250 page likes. So get there, like our page, check us out, and buy our book. Protocon just hit the alert button. And is aiming his guns at me because he's going to kill me because he's really upset that we're not plugging his podcast on iTunes. So, yeah, if you're a fan of our podcast, by all means, go on to iTunes. Give us a five-star rating. Tell us what you like. Or give us a lower rating. Tell us what you don't like. But, obviously, if you're this far along, you love this podcast. So, five stars it is. You know, the more people that leave reviews, it makes it easier for uh, a larger audience to find the show. And then for us to keep doing this and uh, creating the product that you like. So, please drop us that review.